When Shamrock Rovers got one back, tears came to my eyes. And we went two went up, and I heard those thousands of Sligo people. I was proud, and we went out and won. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. Best town in the world. More drama here. Chilani. Looking for Stenson's head away at the far post. And over it comes Elliot. Stenson! One more! It's brilliant! 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 Here comes Quigley. And it's there! It's Sagarola 3. St. Patrick's Athletic 2. And that could be the decisive moment in the title race. We will never forget this day. Hello, you're welcome along to podcast number 65 from the Bitter Red Supporters Trust. We are coming to you uh, on Tuesday, the 21st of June. Uh, we have Jerry O'Connor. Jerry, how are things? Great, Connor. Thanks. And Sean Dunn is here. Sean, how are you? All good, Connor. Uh, so uh, our first uh, our first league game uh, officially as John Russell uh, as manager uh, is done and dusted. And we come away with uh, three points and we jumped uh, jumped a place in the table, I think, to go above Bowles uh, into fifth, from sixth to fifth. Is that right? Um, and um, we are still no further in relation to uh, the number of tickets that we can expect to get from the Bala game. Um, but uh, Jerry O'Connor is confident that there should be nothing to worry about. <laughs> He's nodding away. Um, we've got some news about um, the extra.ie FAI Cup draw, which took place today, uh, our opposition for the 31st of July, Sean Dunn tells me, uh, has been decided and we are home to Wexford FC, no longer Wexford Utes, just Wexford FC. Um, and we have a load of games coming up. Uh, we're away to draw it on the 24th, uh, home to Dundalk on Monday the 27th, and then Shells away. So we've loads to get through. Um how do we feel after the uh, the 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 result against Harps? Obviously, we're all happy with the win uh, performance, Jerry. Yeah, very happy. Particularly the first half, um, it was probably one of the best performances um, for a half I've seen in a long, long time. And we totally controlled the game. Um, look, and I was helped by two very quick fire goals, but um, we came out all guns blazing uh, on the front foot. And I know it was uh, John's first official game. But I think uh, it was very similar to the way we started off against Derry as well. And that's the way he seems to kind of want his teams to go out. And rather than where we were previously kind of feeling our way through the first 15, 20 minutes, seemed to kind of pass us by. Whereas now we're, we're, we're at it from the, from the very first kick. So that's great to see. Sean, do you think uh, there is uh, a, a definite or an obvious... Uh, John Russell looked to, to things uh, at this early stage. The obvious that there's a style of play uh, been implemented there by John where the intensity is, it's up tenfold. Uh, we're an awful lot quicker on the ball as well. I think even playing out from the back, there's none of that knocking across the back four for five and six passes. We're looking to have it in the final third within three and four passes. Uh, judging by, like Jerry says, on the Derry game as well and this Harps game, I uh, thought some of the phases of play were really impressive. I think Keane's first goal, I think the lead up to that was brilliant. Just obviously it was a poor cross from O'Sullivan that took a lucky deflection and landed at Keane. It was a brilliant finish. But I think just judging from that, that first half especially, and even in, in periods of the second half, there was that style of just quick and 
there was no one dilly-dallying on the ball. No one was really slowing it down. Everything was fast-paced, one and two touch. It was, it look, it looks good so far. Obviously, it's not near perfect. We don't want it to be, you know, if we can get a result like that, get a 3-0 win against Finn Harps and still have plenty of room for improvement, that's only good going forward. Yeah. I think for me, I felt that um, it was very much a case I thought it was a game of two halves, but I thought what we saw in the first half was um, real potential for where the, the team could go. Uh, and it's a blueprint for, you know, what they want to do for what they want to try to be able to do for, for 90 minutes. But the second half, again, showed glimpses of where the work needs to be done. Uh, and I suppose you could say, Jerry, there was mitigating factors in the fact that we were missing Greg Bulger and Adam McDonnell. And um, that probably um, not having the option to play one of those midfielders or get one of them onto the pitch at some stage during the 90 minutes um, probably had a big effect on how that the game played out, maybe. Yeah, I think so, Connor. Um, you know, just it's unfortunate that your two probably uh, regular centre midfielders were both missing the game, particularly on the, as well on the back of, uh, what, almost three weeks without having a game? Actually, it was over three weeks, so yeah, that would have had would have disrupted the team. Um, but having said that, you know, again, we we're totally in control of the first half. I think as well, though, when teams the danger when teams go in maybe two or three nil up at half time, it's hard to replicate that intensity and and uh, you know that kind of rhythm. Uh, it's just it happens nearly all teams that yeah, you don't want to get a little bit complacent, but it it just happens. Um, but just to, just to touch on just a point that you made as well, like, you know, if you look at the third goal, um, there was great play um, leading up to that as well. Um, so, you know, we turned it on again when I suppose when, when, we, when we had to. And uh, I think we deserved the, the third goal really um, for all our positive play. Uh, Sean, go on. No, I was just going to say as well, just uh, when you were saying about the factors coming into that second half as well, I think Gary Buckley having to go off at halftime was a big loss as well. I think uh, Nando having to come in, and no doubt he, he must have been tired. Like Otherwise, I'd say he would have started. But, uh, you know, he just for that, it was another unsettling factor and maybe brought us back a couple of yards as well because Gary seemed to have the, have the line quite high in the first half, which all obviously leads to us pressing higher and, you know, playing out quicker and everything from the back. So that just maybe unsettled us a little bit more in the second half. Uh, the the first goal, um, as we said already, was was great play. Um, I suppose what was noticeable about uh, the, well, I suppose one of the standouts uh, kind of tactical or um, positional um, things that I noticed was obviously uh, Aidan Keenan was playing in much more of a, I don't know, I don't know, I mean, what would you call it, number 10, but kind of coming in off the wing, um, he was a, he, he, you know, he definitely wasn't the target and he was looking to be creative. And I suppose what I'm getting to is for his first goal, he was in the right, he, he could see where potentially the, the move was going to break down and he was in the perfect yeah. position to capitalise on that. Yeah, like I would have said he played number 10 straight out. Um, and he was like, I think that goal uh, personified his his uh, performance in that number 10 role and that he was picking up really clever uh, pockets, you know, to pick up the ball. Um, and it was, he looked like he was made for that position, to be honest with you. You think he was playing there all his life. 
Um, and the first goal like was a typical number 10 type goal where you pick up that pocket of space. And then obviously when Mata went off, he went up front, you know, moving on a little bit ahead. He went back into the number nine and he got in this. Then the second goal was a typical striker's goal, a typical number nine's goal. So, he's, you know, it's great that you can have a player that can play either position and play it like to actual to an actual T, you know. Um, so he's given, I'd say, John Ross, John Russell, obviously put him in there, but he's given John Russell a, a, another great option um, that's... Uh, you know, he can play a number 10 or up front. And what do we do we bring in? I always was said that we should have been bringing in maybe a number 10 and a right winger. Do we need to bring in a number 10 now or do we bring in another centre forward? Or do you know? So it, it gives us options. I think he uh, is made for that number 10 role. Uh, but and he's a real he was a real out ball as well when we were in a yeah. defensive shape. He was the he was, you know, immediately you, if if he's wide, there's space to play the ball into, or you know, he can get straight to his feet. And he's so confident on the ball as well. He's not afraid to take it in in congested areas. He he is willing to hold it up, and he's very skillful on the ball. He can get out of tight areas as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's a, I think one of the things that that I like the most about him is, is even with the ball at his feet, he can still be really direct. He's going to run at yeah. the defender, and yeah. he there's a there's a he's reasonable chance he's going to leave the defender behind or the midfielder if we are coming out of that defensive position. Yeah, he was, play, was playing with a swagger. You know, he was just you could see he was loving it. You know. But you, I've noticed that with him, you know, you would have said, I think we've all said it on the podcast as well about him when he's been playing that lone, that lone striker role earlier on in the season. He likes to drop deep and involve himself in the play. And when he's, when he's the furthest man forward, it did kill us a little bit because he's trying to get back on the end of stuff again. But whereas, he, whereas he's playing in that number 10 role, he was able to get on the ball and lay it off. And that's where I thought Mata was, Mata's been an unsung hero there from the other night. I don't think he's got the credit he deserves at all. Not that anyone says he's played bad, but just online, I didn't see his name really mentioned, but I thought he was outstanding up top. The way he held up the ball, brought players back into play again, especially with Keena. Yeah. And even for the third goal, uh, Sean, like his link-up play with, um, what's the third? No, oh, do you know when... Keena's yeah, the miss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like his link-up play there, he went out wide, caught inside. Uh, and then just slipped the ball through to, to Keena. And uh, I think Keena probably was trying to be a bit too clever. Yeah. Um, and it's not like him. Normally, he would kind of put his foot through it into the, the top of the net, but he, he was probably being a bit too clever. And in fairness, in the beginning, he stood up. So, you know, that's, but you're right there with the with Mata in that instance there. He was excellent for that as well. And he should have had a goal himself. Um, the brilliant ball in from Carlos Sullivan. And uh, McGinley makes an unbelievable save. Yeah, in the first half, uh, the the second goal, uh, Mark McGinley didn't do himself any favors. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure what he was doing there. Did he just not just not comfort? Or what what happened there? He's on our payroll, <laughs> Agent McGinley. He just that's, that's two seasons on the bounce. He's done something for us. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He came. He came though. He came, and then he kind of stopped. He kind of went sideways, like um, hard to explain, like. It, it, yeah, it, there's no. It's not a case where he's going to be outside the box either. I don't think it's. And he didn't swipe at the ball or anything. He just no. kind of jumped, and then like uh, O'Sullivan just kind of flicked it by him. And in fairness yeah. to O'Sullivan, you know, he he's he's a direct type of player, um, and might you know we're talking about unsung heroes as well. But you have to give the guy credit. Like he's had, he got a goal and an assist 
uh, go for the second one and assist for the, the third. And maybe inadvertently you could give him an assist for the first one as well. So he's, yeah. he's got a big contribution towards the game. Uh, I think in relation to O'Sullivan, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, um, but he he does work awful hard. Yeah, I he like does him. Work awful, awful hard. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you can't fault the lad's uh, work rate. So I think the biggest thing for me personally, I think, and it goes for Fitzgerald as well, is the consistency. And yeah. I think it's going to be a big thing going forward in John Russell's system as well, that the wide players need to be consistent with their delivery. There needs to be a certain level of quality in that because you can see, judging from that Harps game anyway, that everything seemed to end up out wide, which, which was really good as well because, you know, we were threatening from it. There was yeah. plenty of opportunities created, but it just even for that first one for Kena, like we're lucky there. That's a beautiful, it's a beautiful move that breaks down with O'Sullivan's ball. It's a it's a bad it's a terrible ball. It doesn't beat the first man. It bounces off a shin and lands at Keena. But I think just that's where we just got to be a little bit more consistent there, uh, out wide and just look that that can come in time. They're two young players as well, but but then like you see it then O'Sullivan turns around in the second half and it's a beautiful ball for Keena's second. Hmm. So just need to find that consistency out wide with the deliveries. And I think we're onto yeah. something really good. Yeah, I, I do think O'Sullivan. Look, his delivery isn't perfect every time, but I do think it's uh, it's an improvement on what we had there last season. Oh, where, yeah. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. He's know, getting ball into the box. Mike Mio is the best ball, but he's getting it into yeah. the box. But also yeah. the work rate. turning back. We didn't have. Yeah, and the work rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our ball's just not making it past the first ball, which we saw way too often um, last season. Um, the, the, the situation in midfield, um, uh, Moran and Cawley obviously started off very well, but... Um, Greg Bulger is going to pick up cards. Uh, that's a given. And he's going to miss games. Uh, and are we, do we need more backup there? Do we need more experience in, in that, particularly in the middle of the park, uh, if we're looking at recruiting players? Um, look, I suppose you could you're, say... You're not going to be playing Finn Harps every week in that situation. No, not at all. But you have to think of the numbers as well within the squad. Like, um, do you want to have six centre midfielders. Do you want like three of them sitting on the bench every week? Um, are we overloaded in that area then if we take on another one? Um, I would have said, look, wing, we're crying out for wingers because we only actually have two in the squad. So that'll be the area that I would be looking at. The other area I would have said as well as number 10. I, I think up the, up the like maybe Keena can play there, but I'd still prefer him, I think, as your number nine to be your focal point. So do you need another... I think you need another attacking player. I would say... A winger and an attacking player, at least. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, Jerry, a winger and attacker for you? Yeah, I just said that. Uh, sorry, uh, Sean, <laughs> a winger and attacker for you? Yeah, definitely wingers, yeah. Just even for competition for places, I think that'll even lead to the consistency situation I was on about there as well. It'll keep people on their game. I think that's, I think, uh, I think we're okay in centre midfield. I think we have enough. Uh, I think as well that. Maybe a little bit with Bulger was the system letting him down. Where he was being caught as maybe the last man a little bit too often, where he felt he had to drag players down and, you know, give away fouls and that. I don't think you're going to see as many yellow cards from him. I think he's going to be a little bit more protected by the system going forward. I think there's going to be a few more men in around him helping him out. And he's just not going to get caught like that. 
Yeah. What, one thing I'd say about the squad, Connor. The one thing I'd say about the squad as well. I'd say if you were to sit down and look at how many players each squad have used in their first eleven, whether starting or coming on as a sub, I'd say we'd be up in the top probably two or three in terms of the amount of players that we've given game time to. Yeah. Like we're bringing through a hell of a lot of young fellas. Uh, even there, the last night, you know, you had um, Caelan Barlow coming on. Caelan Barlow, yeah. Like at the time, we seen the Borgen up and we automatically thought that it was going to be... Um, Heaney. Keen, uh, Heaney, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't. Now, Heaney's got a few games. Byrne's got a few games. Barlow's got a few games. You know, there's so they're they're not just filling out the squad. They're actually contributing to the squad. So it's, it's a city, if you sit down... And go through it like if you're maybe compared to Dundalk, how many players have Dundalk used? I would say a lot less than what we have. So I think we have a pretty good in-depth, strong squad. I don't think we need many bodies. I think we just maybe need possibly two. Okay. It's not cosmetic surgery we need. It's it's just little tweaks. Just little tweaks, yeah. Little Botox. Little, lift. little Botox. Yeah. yeah, just a wee lift here and there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just bring the tinked up a shade or two. I would say one position I think we could look at is centre half. I think we might need another one there. Yeah. Go on. No, it's no, it's not a criticism on any of them. I just think, um, unfortunately, we know Shane Blaney can be a little bit injury prone. And, you know, you see Nando going off on international duty and that. I don't think he goes away during the summer, though, does he? There's no friends. That's it for a while now, I imagine. Yeah. You'd like to think so. And we don't know the situation with why Gary went off there at halftime. There's been no update on that either as to if he's going to be fit for the weekend. Yeah. So uh, it's just, I just think there might be another one needed there. Right there. I don't like the the Buckley-Blaney combination. I don't think it works that well. I don't think, I, as a partnership, I don't think they work. Individually, they both play well on the pitch, but as a partnership, I don't think they complement each other too well or there isn't a connection between them. Because even there, you look at McWoods, he was just dropping in between them, and he was the only man up top for Harps. Where one, of the, one of them should have went, and like, I would suggest Blaney goes and man marks him and leaves Buckley to sweep up everything else. But they didn't. They just kind of let him drop in between, and that's where he was getting a couple of runs in behind. Where, yeah, but wasn't, he, wasn't McWoods, McWoods was starting out wide, out wide in the right and kind of coming yeah. in. He, it's difficult, from a centre-half position, it's yeah. difficult to but when you only that. More, yeah, but when you have only one man coming in, you still have your two fullbacks either side as well, and and if a spare centre half, it, it's not the hardest thing in the world. Just go and man mark him as well. When he, you know, you just set it up between you. Just say, look, I'll go and do that dirty work. It's not, it's not nice. It's not the job you want to do because it's not flashy by any means, but it's essential. And I just felt he got a few runs in behind that. It could have been dealt with an awful lot easier. It just led for a few panicky moments that didn't really need to be there. That's my own opinion. Just just my opinion on it. Look, the two boys could laugh at me and say he's a gobshite. <laughs> so I don't know, but it's just something that I saw. And it's not just the two boys, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It's not. Um, the other thing I was going to say, um, just in relation to the yellow cards and um, like talking about yellow cards and and Greg Bulger and Sean, what you were saying about him maybe being less exposed. One of the things you can definitely see from a John Russell team is. John is obviously a lot more vocal on the side of the pitch than uh, Liam Buckley, and he is looking for that ball to be moved fast every time. And I suppose one of the things that happened under under Buckley was uh, players dwelling on the ball for a second or two seconds too long, and you get caught out in possession, 
and things break down quickly and then maybe Greg Bulger finds himself in a situation where he has to make the last gasp tackle before you know a midfielder or, or an attacker is in on the defence so um, look I suppose there's a risk that comes with moving the ball fast because things can break down also if there's a misplaced pass but I thought like that, that you could just see John Russell was out of the out of the dugout and he was he was roaring at lads quicker move the ball quicker move the ball quicker and I like I don't think there's going to be a huge difference in the style of play between John Russell and Liam Buckley. I think um, just that, that kind of attitude of or that um, slight difference in, in speed of movement and speed of, of passing will make a huge difference. I think you're bang on the money with that, Connor. to be honest with you, especially in the, in the speed of passing and the options. There was always an option for the two boys in the centre of the park. I thought like Moran and Cawley, they were, like as you were just saying there, they were never hanging on to the ball. They were never like dancing, going around in a circle looking for passes. Someone was always available. That's where Keena came in huge in that number 10 role. He was popping into the little pockets, receiving the ball as well. Thought the two wingers were, or not two, the two fullbacks were excellent getting forward as well. And just being available for those little passes. And even I was surprised to see his Niall Moran trying these more expansive passes. He was trying to spread the play a wee bit more. Didn't come off from all that much, but it's just to see him, nice to see him adding another little bit to his game and trying to develop has a, has a hand to play in that as well, as well, that freedom. Yeah, 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 and you could see him trying to play balls in between, um, uh, as, you, as you were into, Sean, I suppose they weren't being, uh, they mightn't have always uh, ended up at, at the feet of the, the player that he wanted, but he was trying to string a few balls in between a centre half and a full back um, to open things up, which, yeah, I think, I think also his, his body position, he's not picking the ball up uh, with his back to goal as often. He's, you know, he's side on, um, which is another little, small little difference, um, which can really change. Uh, but you know what, though, Connor, just as, and it's a brilliant point that you're on it there, is that's exactly how Russell played. Russell always played on the turn. Yeah. And that's why he was always so effective as a midfielder because he's always gone. He was always breaking lines then as well. Yeah, so yeah. it is, that's another little thing that maybe John's just giving him that little tip. Um, we'll give some beer away, Jerry. Uh, we have two cases of White Hag, uh, White Hag clan to give away. Uh, where are they going to this week? Uh, they're going to Art Thornbury um, and they're going to Trevor Kelly. Okay, I think we've notified Art at this stage that he is one of the winners and we'll get in touch with Trevor. Uh, Trevor was a winner. Say that again. I think he's from Charlestown. Uh, Trevor Kelly? Yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, Greater Sligo, I like to call it. Yeah. Uh, close to Sligo International. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah he's Sligo a, he was a Facebook winner, wasn't he? Yeah. Okay, so we need an email uh, from Trevor. We'll be in touch, though. Uh, we'll have a quick chat about uh, the FAI Cup draw which was held this afternoon uh at FAI headquarters I guess I didn't actually see the draw uh was it an open draw or was were, were teams split up or was you I know you were just having a conversation that I came in on before we hit record there was was were teams kept away from each other no it was no. an open draw open draw we got pulled out we got pulled out against um a home tie against uh, Wexford FC, which uh, you know, on the on the uh, f- you know across the board, it's a, it's a decent, it's a great, it's a great draw together, suppose, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great draw. It's a home draw as well, so you know you're going to take that all day long. Wexford away is it's a nice wee trip, so 
it's uh, nice to be playing out of the showgrounds and it's an extra game for home fans to go and see as well. Um, so yeah, it's all good. Look, there's only one all Premier Division tie, uh, Harps against Bowes um, up in Finn Park. So, you know, but at the same time too, Sean was saying earlier on, there's a few non-league teams that have been paired together. So, you know, uh, you could get one of them in the next round and all of a sudden you're in the quarterfinals. So, yeah, um, happy enough with that draw. Uh, Wexford are sixth position out of the nine teams in the first division. Uh, they have played 18, uh, won five, drawn five, and lost eight. And they've only won one in their last five. So, um, has to be said, though, has to be said about the first division this year, it, it's probably the strongest first division ever. Yeah, I think we have to take into account as well as. We went into last year against Cork City, rubbing our hands, thinking this was going to be a five or six nil win. Cork yeah. were what second, second from bottom last year when yeah. we played them. I think they hadn't won a game in seven or eight games, and went and turned us over. So, just we we have to treat it professionally and just oh, deal, yeah. deal with the matter at hand. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wexford have Vinny Corcoran play with them. Uh, Lorcan Fitzgerald. Uh, don't see any other standout names. No, but I think Connor though they've been praised for playing football the right way as well. They'll look to get the ball down and play it. Yeah. They won't be shy like that. So no. you always have a chance of, you always have a chance of a goal as well when Denny's playing up front, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look, he, he's he's a natural born goal scorer. Um gets a chance, he, he normally takes it. Uh those games are that yeah, that round is scheduled for 31st of July. Is that right? Yeah. Um, that is what's that a Saturday? I'd say it'd be the weekend, either starting or ending. So it'd be over. Games would be on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. Okay. Um, no news on uh, tickets from Ballatown at this stage. Uh, I would have guessed uh, when we recorded last week's podcast that we would be well on our way to knowing what the story is. Uh, strange that um, that we don't know anything, Jerry. Yeah, so I was talking to someone at the club today, so they reckon that we'll have confirmation tomorrow when I guess the podcast will be out. So we might even know by the time a lot of people listen to this. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a strange way of um, Bala going about finding how many people want tickets, especially in this day and age. Like I heard it was like way oversubscribed because people were applying two, three, four times which is, you know, look, when you put these things out, people generally do kind of panic and just keep clicking buttons. And so I don't know how you control that, but uh, so that's probably taken a bit of work to sort that out. Um, I'd still be confident though. Look, at the end of the day, there is a thousand seats there. Their average crowd is about 300, if even. Um, and realistically, how many are we going to bring? You know, I, I would say 400 would be, you know the max, and yeah. so we bring four hundred. You're still, you're still going to be okay. Yeah, it just seems strange on their behalf that like the approach that they took, uh, like no more than us trying to fill buses. You know, yeah. like, we've got a hundred and something names for, for buses, and really we have no idea if you know if all those people are going to be on the bus. So like putting putting a, a form out there for people to express an interest in going to a game. 
it's like i mean just if you got x amount of seats just give us an, an allocation and yeah. like, you know surely you have an idea of what your exactly. allocation is going to be i mean what are they going to do with the like what i just i it just doesn't make sense to me that they no. just haven't it's, it's, especially when you're dealing with such small numbers like they have to know how many people really like if we're talking they've got two three hundred people on average that go to their games surely they know those two they're going to have 600 people. people at this at this game yeah like just like, you think six hundred four hundred sound <laughs> It's yeah. it's like, Fucking hard, we, like. We, we can nearly say exactly what's going to be at our game, our home. You know, we know we have what roughly two thousand is a is an average home game for us now. Mm-hmm. So we know, look, you'll probably get an extra thousand nearly that'll want to go to the European game. The numbers go up that wee bit higher. Yeah, surely at this stage of the game they should know exactly. Even judging from like they're in Europe nearly every season, aren't they? Yeah. So they know what's going into their European games every year. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just uh did was there some somebody from Ballatown was on Twitter trying to explain the situation? Was was did I dream seeing that? Um uh, well I seen I seen other, I seen one guy saying that not to really worry about it, that it's you know everybody it should be fine. It's just is it a case know. where they don't want to be outnumbered, maybe, and for it to turn into a home game for Sly Rovers? But do you do that at the expense of not selling tickets? I don't think so. I think they'll take the money. Um, I'd assume they'd want the money. Like, yeah, I just think they're a little bit, I don't know, maybe unorganized. I just, I don't know. Like, as you said, Sean, like they're playing, they play in York uh, pretty much every season. They're not playing at home. They play in this ground. You know, all the Welsh teams play in this ground for European games. There's a thousand seats, right? Last year we had 300. The year before we had 350. The year before we had 250. So say, Put, hedge your bets and say, right, as bad a time, hedge your bets and say, right, we're going to have 400 or we're going to have 500. We'll give them 500 tickets. Or, like, or, or, or when the draw is made, uh, print your tickets, sell them for a week, see <laughs> yeah. where you are, yeah. and then give us the rest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and the thing about it too is because it's not in their home ground, it's not like, say, for instance, if we're playing in the showgrounds, right? you could have fellas that could walk up to the gate. Like this ground is in the middle of nowhere and it's not anywhere near Bala. So you're not going to have walk-ups really. If anybody's going yeah. to go to the game, they're going to have a bought in advance. Yeah. Like what did we do? The, the draw was made. We printed our tickets, put them on sale. Uh, we sold what we expected to 3,000 or three, three and a half thousand. And like... Yeah. And then you, mother will get, or whoever, if we get through, get their allocation. You know, or Bala, whatever, because obviously they're not going to Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself now, but like, yeah. I don't think. But Ballard just on that, Jerry. Just on that, Jerry. Uh, on the Motherwell game, um, you got what you wanted. Yeah. Uh, the the Ballatown, the brave Ballatown, and the uh, the robust Sligo Rovers uh, held their ground. Valiant Sligo Rovers held their ground, and they have ensured that the first leg will take place on the uh, under. The low grass growth, the uh, the balls fur park. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think look, I think just the way it was, the way it was handled by Motherwell in that the official account came out and said at twelve o'clock it's in fur park the first leg, and then some fella comes back from holidays and says, no, hold on a second, we've applied to UEFA and the clubs uh, to switch the ties. That's just. In regards to who they're playing, it's just shite, like you know. Sunday morning stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and I, I can't understand why maybe you know maybe the pitch is fair fair reason to for it but they would have known that before the draw why did it take six to seven eight hours to for someone to come back and hold this and clarify the situation you yeah. know there's some other well fans out there they're more just something slider or fans and they'll defend everything that the club does but how could you defend that that's just I've seen more Motherwell fans than not saying it. it was a really bad luck for them, though. Yeah, that's true. There was, in fairness. Now, they, you know, it, it, they could see it as very unprofessional and it just looked amateur. Yeah, there's a way, way to go about this. And you don't want to be conducting yourself in Europe like that. Granted, like, I know they're up against Slag Rovers and Ballet Town. It's not, it's not major European names they're playing, but still, though, you want to conduct yourself principle. in a certain manner. Yeah, it's principle, exactly. Right, okay, we've got two uh, games against uh, the County Loud teams uh, in quick succession, starting with an away game to draw the United on the 24th, uh, on Friday, uh, the 24th, that's Friday this week, and on Monday coming then we are home to uh, Dundalk. Um, where do we want to start? Um, I suppose the most noteworthy uh, point of these two games is uh, Dundalk's victory at home to Shamrock Rovers last week, we uh, made the point that we have been making quite frequently that uh, this Dundalk team is not all that good. That there is not a huge gap between us, our team, uh, and Dundalk. Uh, does does has your opinion changed over the last number of days, Sean? No, I don't think so. By all accounts, Shams were absolutely brutal in the game. So great goal by Benson, though. It was a great yeah. goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. He loves ball in as well. Yeah, fantastic ball by McCarry. Class. Um, he has big moments for them, though, Benson, doesn't he? In fairness, he's a big game player. Yeah. Uh, but look, O'Donnell, you can't deny he has them playing. They're set up brilliantly. They're very, very hard to break down. I think I was listening to him in an interview. They've only conceded four or five goals from open play this season, which is very impressive. You know, they're a solid back four, so that's not going to be, very, that's not going to be an easy game whatsoever, but I still think we've enough to take them. I don't fear them. I don't think, you know, they do have good players, but at the same time, you know, if you can nullify Hoban, you have, a, you have a good chance. You have a really, really good chance of coming away with a good result. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's enough There's enough about us to go and beat them. And with regards to Drada, that's an, I think they're a poor, poor team. I think they're very beatable. And we've proven that already this season. So one six last eight. Yeah. One five. Two in the last five games are victories with two draws in the last. They're, yeah, yeah they're, very, they're very inconsistent. Um draw had it. They're like, you know, like that too. They turned around. I think they were beat. I think Bethan week before they bet turned around and bet Sham Grover's one 0 at home. Yeah. You know, Harps bet them, wasn't it? Or something. I think it was Harps, yeah. yeah. Um, so like to lose to Finn Harps and then go out beat Shamrock Rovers they're very up and down the one thing though about Drogheda as well um, is that they've lost two or three of their loan signings they've gone back to their and the keeper to, being the biggest one yeah Lincoln City and, and one or two other places so that's just made them weaker and obviously they can't sign anybody until July so it's probably a good time to meet them um, on Dundalk I'd have to 100% agree with, with Sean I think if you nullify uh, Hoban they don't, they're not, they wouldn't scare you too much. But I I think that if you look at their squad, they do, I think they have a stronger squad than people think they do. 
Like if you go through their 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 bench and that they've got a strong they've got a strong sixteen or seventeen players, but they're over reliant on Hoban to score goals. No Benson got it the last day, but you know Hoban. Dundalk, you're talking about. Yeah, Dundalk. Sorry, moved on to Dundalk. Uh, I, I hope I said that, but yeah, that's why I'm on it. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, you said draw. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Gotcha. yeah Dundalk have lost a couple of those as well. A couple of loan signings. They've gone back as well. Have they? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I don't think there were major players for them, but. You know, it's a couple to drop out of the squad, but I do agree with you, Jerry. They do have a surprisingly strong squad. Like they yeah. did throw, they threw a nice bit of money at it this season. Like, you know, like, no that's the thing as well, Sean. Like, you know, when when the Americans went and everybody's like, "Oh, their money's gone, their money's gone now," but the guys that own Stat Sports and Fastfix, uh, the guys that owned them previously, have come back in and and taken yeah. control of them. Stat Sports are a huge, huge company. You know, they've got major partnerships with the likes of. Chelsea and lots and lots of Premiership clubs are probably the leader in terms of, you know, player GPS equipment. These guys aren't short of a few pound, so yes. there's there's plenty of money behind Dundalk as well. They've a lot. They've, I would say that their wage budget is bigger than ours. Put it that way. Oh, well, without So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, like even for the likes of Hoban and all that, for for him to sign on there again, like he would have had big offers around the league. There's no two ways about that. Yeah, he'd several good offers, including ourselves. Yeah. And uh, you know there was big, big money been uh, offered to him, so he didn't stay for peanuts. Yeah. Um, so what would you be looking to get uh, from the the long weekend of games, so to speak? I'd take four points. Happy I'd probably take four points as well, but I think the I'd love to win the Dundalk game, um, just because. It's a six pointer, um, and I think we're obviously in that little, uh, probably in that little uh, league of our own with uh, Dundalk, Pats, uh, possibly Derry. Um, so you need to be taking, you can't be dropping points to the teams that are around you, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think, yeah, look at. I don't know. Like I don't think um, we 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 seem to have struggled against uh, Dundalk in in from what I can remember over the last kind of couple of games that we played them. We haven't uh, we've we've struggled. So I would very much feel that um, the three points against Drogheda would be my uh, my focus there to just ensure that you you get your three your three points there. Um, what sort of uh, what sort of team when you look at to play against uh, for the first game anyway, Sean against Rada? Well, depending on, a lot will depend on Gary Buckley now as well as if he's fit to go. Um, if not, obviously you'll just see Nando slot in beside Shane Blaney. Uh, then the big ones in midfield. You know who does he change? Both Moore and him, Cawley were really good. I'm sure both will be thinking they're starting again. And obviously Keane will stay in at that number 10 with Matt up top. Two boys obviously out wide. They pick themselves at the moment. Um, so that it's the midfield is the is the big one. Like it's a it's a big headache for Russell to have, but a good headache. But I would in a game like that away from home, I would be very surprised if Bulger doesn't start. I suppose the one thing about it, lads, though, is that we don't re- like say with with Buckley, um, we never knew what team was going to be picked. It was, you know, completely different yeah. from one week to the next. Um, with with John, I suppose we don't know him in the job long enough to know what to expect. 
So if you look at the Derry game, um, obviously, that, in my opinion, that was his first game. Moving into the UCD game, I don't think there was too many changes. Now, there was a few enforced changes then uh, the last night against Harps. So is he the type of manager that's going to stick with the same team or will he mix it up? I suppose it's hard for us to know just yet. Um, well, I think I, I think the, the Caelan Barlow addition against Harps was interesting. Um, look, you said it yourself, you expected to see Heaney. I think, you know, I've seen Caelan Barlow warming up. I've seen him warming up uh, in the last number of games. He never came on. Um, so I would expect, like, go, going on the little tradition that we're beginning to develop of playing academy players and progressing them, he can't, he can't be over reliant on his his favorite eleven. I think he, there is, there there will be a bit of pressure on him to make sure that he is giving game time to to the well to lads that have particularly have come through the academy. I think. Yeah, that's a really good point, uh, and I'd say. I don't know about pressures, but there probably is, yeah. But I'd say he, you well, know, I, I, no, no, no manager more so than himself to want to bring them on. If you yeah. Know. Yeah. But I'd imagine the committee, one of the considerations as well when the committee were interviewing candidates for the position was, I'd say the development of local players was at the forefront of their mind as well, or was somewhere close to the forefront of their mind that if they bring in somebody from the UK or elsewhere, uh, who might bring, want to bring in three or four, three or four of their own players? Yeah, that's all fine and well, but that's a risk. And what happens then to your Kaelin Barlow's? Maybe Kaelin never gets game time. He goes off on loan, and you know, uh, yeah. but you have to be good enough too. You, you know, at the end of the day, well, it's John's job. So I don't think he's going to give any token gestures to anybody. Um, you have well, to earn it, and and uh, you know, then you get your reward. Yeah, yeah, uh, but. I suppose in everybody's career, there's a bit of luck involved, or not luck, but there you're, there has to be opportunities presented for you to prove how good you are, like you know. And I suppose yeah. that kind of backs up your point, though. That um, I know I'm kind of arguing with you on one hand, but on the other hand, I think it backs up what you're saying because you know John didn't need to bring on Barlow the last day. But it was yeah. a positive change as well. Though. It was the right change. It was, but it's still a risk. Like he took off David Cawley and brought on Caelan Barlow. Like that's not a kind of stereotypical change that you'd expect to see. Do you know when yeah, but Harps you, are coming I'm, at you? It was, I, I but think, it, you're right, it was a very positive change, but it's not the norm. Yeah, I, yeah. I think David, it, David Colley had to come off. I think there was no doubt about who was going to come off, but... Um, yeah. But, but what you would have seen, what you would have seen before under Buckley is probably Banks going into midfield. You know, you would have seen that defensive move of dragging backs in banks into midfield and then bringing on a right full or something like that. You know, someone who can slot in there, a more defensive conservative style. Whereas with Russell, he brought on Barlow, dropped Shamey, Shamey had come on uh, earlier and dropped Shamey back into David's position, which he can do anyway. He's got the engine for it and then let Barlow be the number 10 again. Yeah. Where he's that expansive, you know, creative force going forward. And I think that gave Harps too much to think about whereas they are pressing to try and get back into the game but you know they can't leave too much too much space in behind as well because we still had attacking players there so I thought it was a, it was a clever it was a clever move from Russell yeah. and it also it did give Barlow good time on the pitch and I thought he came on with a great swagger like the lad doesn't <laughs> doesn't lack confidence no, <laughs> you no, know and which I think not. is brilliant and that's what you need absolutely yeah, no, I thought he done. I thought he done really well when he came on. Um, I thought he was excellent. He didn't yeah, do he, anything wrong. Like that. Well, I thought I thought he gave the ball away a couple of times, but 
I wouldn't fault him for that because I, I'm always the other opinion, you know, if you don't take chances, you're not going to score yeah. goals and attacking players are going to give the ball away. And I think that was our probably Achilles heel in the lot and in the past where we were petrified to take chances at the risk of giving the ball away. And again, going back to the, the positive move of bringing Barlow on, at, like in my opinion, it was a risk, but it was a risk that you'd like to see your manager make in terms of positivity and, you know, and, but it paid off as well. We got the third goal. Instead yeah. of petrified, you know, lined up in our 18-yard line with balls yeah, getting yeah. peppered into the box. Yeah, which you've seen all too often in recent months. Yeah, yeah. And even on the third goal, lads, Banks is screaming for the ball inside the box. And he's absolutely raging that O'Sullivan doesn't square it to him. Yeah, so... That tells yeah. me everything. And it, Look, we haven't even uh, pointed this out yet, but like that was a huge thing for me, personally, for uh, that second half. When we were, as we were 2-0 up, why are we going to sit back like we did under Buckley and just try and absorb pressure and just see out the game? That wasn't the case. We were still yeah. positive. We were still trying to create. There were still good phases of play and everything. You know, it was a lot more positive all round. Yeah. And first yeah. the Harps as well, they made it more difficult for us in the second half by making the changes uh, because, you know, we were getting a lot of joy through the middle. So they did bring um, Ethan Boyle into the middle. Um, now I don't think he's your best centre midfielder, but he'll 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 win ball for you, and uh, you know he'll stop that kind of movement within the middle, and I think that's what he done. So credit to Oli Horgan as well; he made changes, but it still didn't mean that we sat back. We still kind of we weren't as we weren't as uh, strong, obviously, in the second half, but we still kept going to the end, and we got the third goal because we were still willing to make uh, calculated risks. We were still willing for full-backs to push on and you know you look back to that third goal I think we have about five players in the box with two minutes to go we're we're winning 2-0 previous to that we'd be as I say again we'd be on our 18 yard line yeah exactly you know, we all, everyone would be in our box exactly yeah um, and we've seen that over the three games so far I know UCD wasn't the best performance but again we, we talked about it at the, at the time that, in my opinion that was completely down to fitness just so we weren't physically able but bear I don't think that's that, going to be a problem going forward. Bear in mind on that UCD game as well, where where Banks misses the ball, we win the game. Yeah, yeah. you know that changes the game. You know, we could, we could have come out of that two one winners very easily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dylan Duncan, I think, was the the Harps player who got booked for uh, taking the horrendous dive in the box. Oh uh, my god! <laughs> Ollie Horgan lost the plot because there was a couple of uh, there was a couple of uh, soft free kicks that Rovers won for uh, fair play to the ref. Uh, you know, there was a there was slight hands in the back, and there was lads going over. We were winning some smart free kicks, and then your man, uh, your man Duncan takes a uh, takes a dive off the top board. Uh, <laughs> Morgan absolutely loses the plot. I did kind of, I, I did kind of feel for for Ollie a little bit in that in that uh, instance, but uh, uh, them's the breaks, I suppose. I, you, you know, watching Harps there, though, lads, you have to admit their time is up. They're a, they're a bad side. Really, really bad thing. I don't even know yeah. how they're above UCD, to be honest with you. Yeah, that that's the fair for them that UCD might catch them. I think Harp's biggest problem is look, it's a small squad, and then they don't have any they don't have any goal scorer. Um, and yeah. they've brought in a couple of lads that I don't know, the the is he Croatian lad or whatever? Non-existent yeah. the last day. In fairness, McMuds looked threatening but his use economy he's coming in from the right he's not really a centre forward but it's more like a winger to me 
So if you've got a winger trying to cut in all the time, where is he going? Who's around him? Nobody. Like he was, yeah. he was, he was, he looked like he was going to hurt us, but there was nobody near him. Uh, what about Barry McNamee? Oh, he's very quiet. Do you think he was quiet, Jeff? He done all day. Done all this. He has no options, though. Yeah, there was no yeah. pro open balls. There was no nothing in front of him. Like it was very much think, trying to hold on to possession. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. Look, I think he, he has enough class in the field. I know it's never going to happen, but it would be wonderful. Uh, for whatever reason, he's not. He doesn't want to. Oh, I don't. He's, he's not on a pro contract, isn't that it? He doesn't want to be a pro. He's, he's a porter in Letterkenny Hospital. Right. Okay. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I just think he'd be a great option for us in the middle of the park, like you know. Yeah. Uh, that that kind of player, like you know, who just is a bit of class. He have, yeah, he should have signed here instead of going to Habs. That's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know because um, thing um, uh, Coyle, he works in the the lab in Letterkenny. He took a year year out years leave of absence to play for Shelburne. I know it's probably too late for Barry to do something like that, but maybe looking back, he might regret it that he didn't. And that's not to say that we're Billy Big Balls or anything like that, but we have a good squad, and I think someone like that would really, really enhance. For sure, like enhance. I mean, did, he did Derry, didn't he? Do Cork, and he, he Cork was, was a disaster. Yeah, that's that's maybe you know what, what it was. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, John Confield did that. Does that to a lot of players, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I think he signed a little more than right backs. I think he had an umpteen amount of uh, centre midfielders. He signed yeah, about five centre midfielders that year. She was there a pointy and McNamee and Karen Sadler sat on the bench and everything. Like, yeah, it's just you know, yeah. madness. But like, I think even just to finish up on Harps, uh, like they've lost an awful lot of stalwarts and then tried to replace them with foreign lads that just they, they can't do what Ollie Horgan wants them to do. Yeah, look, we know it ourselves. Like you know, and Ollie said during the week there that for whatever reason, you know, League of Ireland players don't want to sign for Finn Harps. You know, majority of League of Ireland players want to be based on the East Coast, and we, you know, find it however difficult we find it to sign players within the League of Ireland, they find it that obviously a bit harder because they are part time and it's a huge commitment for players within the League of Ireland to travel over and back. And probably seen that video at the start of the season with Bastian Harry and um, the captain, uh, he's out injured for the season. Um, Webster. Webster, Dave Webster. You know, such a commitment. Um, so I suppose Hearts are kind of at a crossroads too in terms of like, you know. Share is, I think to their own detriment as well, they don't pay enough attention to their youth setup. No. They don't, they don't allow that filter through. And that's amazing too, considering the lack, they have a great youth setup, but the lack of young guys that come through Finn Harps yeah. compared to ourselves is just mind-boggling. They keep bringing in these guys from God knows where. Yeah, I know we do that too, but we still give our youth a chance. But you see with the, the talent that goes through from Donegal in around the league. Mm. Scary. Yeah, yeah. You know, the catchment yeah. they have, the players they could possibly bring through. You yeah. know, it's incredible the talent. There's that slip through the net. Yeah. Um, just on uh, the two games that we've coming up, uh, it would be a nice bit of progress for, for um, John Russell to potentially end up in uh, four, potentially fourth place um, with results going their way, I think. Uh, so we're in fifth at the moment. Pats are ahead of us in 31 points. Um, and Pats play Harps next on Friday. And then Pats are away to, well, I don't know if they're home away, but they play Shams after that. Um, so with currently with a, a three-point gap between ourselves and St. Pats, um, it'll be nice 
it'd be a nice bit of progression uh, early under Russell to to jump uh, St. Pat's up before our, uh, come, the, come the end of the weekend or, the, or next Tuesday. Yeah, I'm not, to- I'm not totally worried about the, the league places at the minute. Um, not even that interested in it. I'm kind of more interested in seeing how we kind of progress game on game. Um, but, Jerry, pick- but Jerry, once we get into third place, you know how hard it is for us to get out of there. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Who said that? Um, well, I look, we... I, I genuinely no. I just think look, take each. I know it's the biggest cliche in football. But take <laughs> each game as it comes, and just try and get as many points as you can. Um, yeah, that's really it. I if... think we're in that that like it's a busy month coming up. There's so many games between cup, between the cup, Europe, league. Yeah, you can't look too far ahead and. I know you're not looking far, that far ahead, Connor. You're looking beyond the weekend, but I just think we just, you know, it was great to get the win there the last night and just build momentum and get another win and get another win and just see where you kind of end up. Do you know what kind of way? Yeah, yeah but I, just, Connor, I, I see your point on that. And, you know, to add to it as well, is that if you did come out of those two games and you are lying in third place, you have a fantastic opportunity to create a bit of distance because you have shells at home in UCD. So there's two. You'd expect two two games. You should be winning. So yeah. you know you could create a bit of a gap, and that'd be nice going into the European games and whatever else, yeah. and cup games and all that coming up is to create a bit of a gap in the league. Like we've we've yeah. we've, we've we've bit of catching up to do anyways. So, um, you know we have to be winning these games. You know we've lost enough in the past already this season that we can't afford to be not beating these teams. So, you know we we have catching up to do. We have to win them. Yeah, my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. Uh, just quickly before we finish up, so it's Drada in the twenty fourth, Dundalk, uh, Drada away in the twenty fourth, Dundalk at home in the tw- on the twenty seventh, which is the Monday. Uh, on the following Saturday, we're home for shells, and then we're into the double header against Bala on the seventh and the fourteenth. Uh, no league games, obviously, in between those two fixtures. Uh, UCD, and then we're back into Derry again. Um, so yeah, they're becoming thick and fast as they say all right anything else before we finish up yeah just one last thing connor um keith o'dwyer was on to me earlier on today um so he, himself and a few other guys uh, over in dundalk have organized ireland's first football kit conference um, and it's on saturday the 2nd of july so there's lots of things happening that day there's um there's a, a walking tour a football tour um with um a couple of guys i think one of them is actually um one of the gary cook isn't he part of a match oh yes yeah, yeah yeah so that looks really really good Um, there's a museum of jerseys there's a, a couple of kit men coming to have a chat and you can buy kit retro kit modern kit all that sort of thing so it's the first year of it and it's something that they're looking to build and maybe bring around the country um uh, year after year but if you're in and around the Dundalk area or if you're really really interested in football kit check it out so it's um, a Ireland's first kit conference so yeah 2nd of July in Dundalk okay uh, very good okay that'll do Jerry thank you thanks Connor. Sean thank you very much thank you Connor. we will never forget this day